You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning. Everybody good? Church family, you guys are amazing, man. Thanks for making a priority of corporate worship. So I'm just amazed today, man, you guys are here, guests that are here, uh, friends and family. It means a lot that you've come to, to worship and uh, uh, just says a lot about who God is, amen, that we come to worship him. We say he's not confined to this space, but we've come together and we bring even God with us because he's God, God who is with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. So we're thankful that you're here and it means a lot. Thank you for all of you who served on Christmas Eve. We had a 3 and a 4.30 and a 6 o'clock service. And uh, it was just full every service. And so thank you for making a difference in our community and uh, loving on other people. And if you're a guest today in our room here, it means a lot that you're here. We don't take that lightly. And so thanks for coming. Those watching online, uh, welcome as well. Glad that you're, you're here. I've got a friend of mine here today from St. Louis. So don't go hard on him. He's in St. Louis. So... Uh, but I've known him for probably 40-some years, and uh, he made a transition a lot like we made here at Antioch. If you're new to Antioch, we made a transition back in May. Uh, I was the senior pastor here for 30 years, and now I've transitioned to be one of the pastors on the team, and Pastor Steve now is our lead pastor, and Pastor Steve is out of town this weekend, just some time away with his family, and so I'm honored to be a part of Antioch, still on the team, and to be a part of that. And so the same thing with, with Keith, uh, he, in July, uh, made his move to transition after 45 years of ministry there. So Keith, would you stand up? And Becky Gilming, hey, I love you guys. Thanks for being here today. Awesome, man. So it's good. We, we go back a long, long time, man. They started that church you had, maybe 15, 16 people in a little teeny building, and they transitioned and bought property and built a new building, and the church is growing and, and then making a difference in the area of, of St. Louis. So that's uh, really, really good. Uh, a lot of kids in the room today, so thanks for kids being in the room today. It's uh, Family Worship Day. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the significance of the Bible and why read the Bible, and looking forward to our time in the Word and uh, see how God can use that and work in our life. So I was thinking about this song, uh, the B-I-B-L-E. How many of you guys know the B-I-B-L-E? The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Awesome, man. First hour was just dead. They couldn't, I couldn't get anything out of them, man. All right, one more time. I got some kids helping me out here in Dulce. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Good. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you joining that. Okay. And doing that. So we're going to spend some time today looking at God's Word and really asking the question, why read the Bible? Why read the Bible? I came across a story this past week about a country preacher who was looking for his first job as a pastor. And so an interviewing committee got together and finally interviewed him and they asked him, how much do you know about the Bible? And the preacher said, I know it from cover to cover. What's your favorite book, they asked. He said, my favorite book is the Gospel of Mark. 
What's your favorite part? My favorite part is the parables. What's your favorite parable? My favorite parable is the one about the Good Samaritan. And they said, well, can you share that with us? He said, sure. Once there was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked him. As he went on, he didn't have any money, and he met the queen of Sheba, and she gave him a thousand talents of gold and a thousand change of clothing, and he got into a chariot, and he drove off furiously. He was driving so furiously, he drove under a juniper tree, and his hair got caught on the limb of the tree. He hung there for many, many days, and ravens brought him food to eat and water to drink, and he ate 5,000 loaves of bread and two fishes. Then one night, while he was hanging there asleep, his wife Delilah came and cut off his hair. Just cut off his hair. And he dropped and fell on stony ground, but he got up and went on. And as it began to rain, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And so he hid himself in a cave and he ate locusts and wild honey. Then he went on until he met a servant who said, come, let us have supper together. But he made an excuse and said, nah, I won't. I married a wife and I can't go. So the servant went out to the highways and the hedges and compelled all kinds of people to come in. After supper, he went out and came down to Jericho. And when he got there, he looked up and saw wicked Queen Jezebel sitting on the window and she laughed at him. So he said, throw her down. And they threw her down. They said, throw her down again. And they threw her down 70 times seven. And all the fragments that remained, they picked up 12 baskets full. Now, whose wife do you think she'll be on Judgment Day? And this interviewing committee said, wow, you really know a lot about the Bible. We think you're going to be our next pastor, all right? So that's, all right. Sometimes in our own lives, we, we, you know, we think we know a lot about the Bible. And sometimes everybody kind of gets, you know, missed around and kind of shaken around to know, well, what does the Bible really say? And so we're going to spend some time today just looking today and answer that question. Well, why read the Bible? Why read the Bible? According to Barner Research, as of January 2021, 34% of American adults read the Bible once a week or more, while 50% read the Bible less than twice a year. Think about that in America. Twice a year, 50% read the Bible less than twice a year, including some never read the Bible. Overall, 16% of adults read the Bible most days during the week. I like the way Billy Graham put it. He said this, the Bible is not an option. It is a necessity. You cannot grow spiritually without it. The Bible has a lot to say about the Bible, all right? It's the word of God, the living word of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, for, for God... He spoke the word. He breathed out his word to about 40 different authors over 1,400 years. And he says this word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, that the person of God may be thoroughly furnished, equipped for every good work. That this Bible we hold in our hand is not some archaic, out-of-date Bible. This Church, this is a living book. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 that this is a living book. It is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the intents of the heart. This is a living book. 
living book. Peter writes and says, having been born again, not a perishable seed, but imperishable seed by the will of God. And we've been, we are abiding in God. He says, God's word endures forever. And he says, human existence is like a breath. It's just short. It's like for a moment, it's here for a while and then it vanishes away. Just like the grass is here and it vanishes away. The glory of mankind vanishes away like a flower vanishes he says, this is the word of God. This is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. And so you hold in your hand or in some, you know, a phone, whatever. This is the living word of God. I want to give you today six reasons that we should read the Bible. First of all, reading the Bible reveals God's character. Say it with me. Reading the Bible reveals God's character. Let's look at the scriptures here in Isaiah chapter 40. In verse 28, the questions asked by the prophet, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He is the everlasting God, the creator. He is a God that has always existed. When you read your Bible, the Bible reveals the very character of God and who God is. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We think about God and who he is. He's a God who is everlasting. Uh, He is a God who is present. He's a God who is all-knowing. He is a God who is holy. He is a God who is sovereign. And on and on we have these attributes of God that that make him who he is. And so when you spend time in your Bible, reading your Bible, you begin to discover just who God is. The Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's one of his characteristics. He's a faithful God. You may have some people in your life that have just checked out. You can't depend on him, but I'm telling you what, church family, you can depend on God 100%. Uh, He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's a God who is present. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his name is beyond discovery. His greatness is beyond even discovery. That's the kind of God that we serve. So you spend time in this book. You'll discover exactly who God is. You'll discover his character and what he's like. That is, I believe, one of the ultimate reasons of many others we should be reading the Bible. Second of all, reading the Bible renews our mind. Our our mind needs to be changed and experience renewal. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Just a second, Ben. Let's go back there. That word, therefore, is always a word of summation. All right? This this phrase here, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, he's going back to the first 11 chapters, chapter 1 through 11. Those 11 chapters display and define just who God is and his mercy about salvation. 
the, the word justification is used. It, it means that we are declared righteous, not by what we can do or what we can get, make happen. It's all because of what God has done for us. We can be justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now he's going and moving on to a different section. So the therefore always says, here's what happened. Now in view of that, here it is. Do not conform. As a Christ follower, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. What happens is he said, in view of God's mercy, and the changes he's made in our life. He says, we're, our minds need to be renewed. Garbage in, garbage out, right? We see things, we, we read things, all, we hear things that, that can just clutter our mind. That, that's the culture we live in. And so we have a responsibility as Christ followers to say, I, I, I need to be, I, I get to be in the word of God because God will reveal himself and show us, Bob, your mind needs to be renewed. Uh, Paul talks a lot about that in his, in his letters, the significance of not being squeezed into the world's mode, mold, and that can happen so easily. We don't, you know, it just, it just, we can be overtaken by that. He says, no, be, be transformed. May there be this renewal in your mind because that's where it starts, doesn't it? Everything starts in your mind. Uh, there's not, we don't maybe even say something, but it's already in our mind. We're thinking of things we shouldn't be thinking about. We're considering to do something we shouldn't be doing. And so we, we say, God, renew my mind. Renew it. Change me. So we read the Bible to reveal God's character and to renew our mind. We also read God's word to expose our sin. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. Our sins can be sins of actions or sins of attitudes. So he reminds us, Again, again, don't be squeezed into the world's mode. The word world here doesn't speak of the planet we live on. It, it's, the, it's the context of what our world is like. We, get, we got all, all kinds of stuff pressing in on us. It, it can be political. It, it can be, you know, social issues in our, in our country. It's just been crazy these last maybe almost two years, right? We can allow ourselves to be, to be squeezed and pressed into that. And we say, God, in your word, transform us. Use your word to expose my sin. Think about what he says here. He talks about the desires of the flesh, what I, what I desire. Right? There are good desires and bad desires. Right? I, I, I've desired for a long time a Jeep. My wife says, Get, I, just, I just somehow just want a Jeep. I got two kids in Colorado. I just want to have a Jeep to go out there and mess around in a Jeep. But no, there's nothing wrong with wanting a Jeep, but if it becomes so obsessed with me, that becomes a problem, right? It becomes... My wife said, just go get one. I, they, co they cost a lot, all right? So we're going to have to figure that out. My son does have a Jeep out in Colorado. It's like a 1986 thing. So maybe I'll get that. Maybe he'll give that to me and I can, I can drive that when I'm, and when I'm out there, I always drive it. So, but we can have things in our mind that we just, we just got to have. 
It may be the eyes, the desires of the eyes. Our, our eyes can get us in big time trouble. Things we're looking at and things we're watching, maybe online or whatever it may be. It's just all kinds, a lot of garbage out there. And so we, we can't just hide in a hide out somewhere, but it's, just, it's there. So when we experience that, and God, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit will convict you. In fact, he is given to us to convict us of sin. And by the way, church, that's a good thing. If you can do what you do and feel like you can just kind of get away with it and there's no sense of conviction, I'm telling you what, that's a problem. Are you, that, that's a problem. As a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit says, Bob, you're, you're out of bounds, man. You got, you got to get back. You got some guardrails for you. That's a good thing. And we, if we confess our sins, the Bible says, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And confession means this, God, here's what I saw. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm doing. And you just, you just tell him what it is. And he's faithful and just to forgive you. Reading God's word also increases our wisdom. Increases our wisdom. Ephesians chapter 5. Pay careful attention then to, to how you walk. The, the word walk there speaks of your manner of life, right? Your, how, you, how you live your life. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understanding what the Lord's will is. We believe that God has a will for your life. God has a sovereign will. That's his secret plan to do whatever he desires to do. The Bible says in Psalm 115 verse 3 that God sits in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. Job chapter 42 and verse 2, it talks about the plans and things that we have the, the plans and things that God has, nothing will thwart or derail or dismiss the plans of God. He's a sovereign God. So God has a sovereign will over our lives. And then the Bible talks about there is a moral will, a moral will, how we live our life, uh, the things that we think, how we believe. What does the Bible say about this or about that? Uh, those are just moral will that God says, here's, I want you to live it out. Here's what God's word says. And we go back to that passage again, Ben. Uh, prior to this, in verse one and following, he talks about as a Christ follower, to walk worthy of our calling, to walk in humility, uh, to walk in a way that you add value to others. Uh, he talks about even the local church with regard to oneness and unity. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We are super blessed at our church, all kinds of different ideas and different thoughts and different people and background. But by the grace of God, amen, church, we say, hey, it's about Jesus, amen? It's about Jesus. It's not about Bob, not about Steve. It's not about you. It's about who Jesus is. And we say we put our faith and our trust in him. And that's what he calls us to do, to, to be wise. Now catch this phrase, the idea of walking is, is how you live your life. He says, live your life, Bob, and just put your name there, not as an unwise person, but as wise. Andy Stanley says, this is the greatest question ever. And the greatest question ever, he says, based on this passage is, what is the wisest thing to do? When you're faced with a decision, a relationship, a financial decision, I mean, a work decision, the first thing you say, what's the wisest thing to do? The Proverbs are, are full of wisdom, full of wisdom. 
Tim Keller puts it this way. He defines wisdom as becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. Wisdom is becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. The actual word wisdom in the Old Testament is chokmah, and it speaks of skillful living. It talks about the skill of an artist or a skill of a musician. The idea of wisdom gives us skillful direction how to live our life. We need it. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing and in all you're getting, get understanding. I need wisdom. I want to make wise decisions. What's what's best for my family? In in a relationship, what's, 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 what's best? What's the wisest thing to do in this relationship? Should I continue to pursue this relationship? Or should I, or do I, I gotta look through the lines. What, what's, what's best? What, what about transitioning a, a new job or maybe moving to a different city? What is the wisest thing to do? Is it wise to, to sell our house and buy another house? Is it wise to buy another car? Everything should go through that grid of what is the wisest thing to do, church, and, and that will protect you, all right? We've all made mistakes, haven't we? We've all done things that, oh man, what was I thinking, right? What was I thinking? Well, I wasn't thinking. And so when we read the Bible, God reveals to us wisdom. Proverbs is a wisdom book, 31 chapters. You could read a chapter a day, a chapter a day in Proverbs and, and the wisdom and the discernment on any and every, almost every area of life is talked about in the book of Proverbs. So reading scripture increases our wisdom and then it reinforces our faith. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes by by hearing. Thank you for being here today. Together as a church family, we are hearing the truth of God and faith, our, our faith is bolstered together because of the truth of who God is and the truth of his word that we're talking about today. Faith is not some, you know, out, out there like I gotta try harder. Faith is who God is. Faith is confidence in who God is and what he's doing and, and what he will do and what he continues to do. We put our faith and trust in him. To become a Christ follower requires faith, Right? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of words that anyone should boast. It's it's saying, God, I believe in you and and who you are. And you you put your faith in him. Then as a Christ follower, uh, he gives us that strength that we need to just stay in the game. Uh, The Bible talks about endurance and and perseverance. And and just, just, we sometimes say just keep the faith, all right? Keep the faith. Stay faithful. Uh, the Hendrick family is here today, and Steve's dad passed away. Was it Friday, Steve? Or Thursday, excuse me, Thursday. Harold, and I was just talking again, and we've talked different times about that when your dad would come up here to see the family. He always would say to me, he, he'd been a pastor back in the day in and, and, and Christian ministry, and, and every time over the, how many, I mean, for years, I mean, probably 20 years when he was here, he'd say, Bob, press on. Press on. That's a good word. In this room today, there may be some people who are just saying, I don't know, man. I don't know. I would say, 
you just press on, right? Maybe God has brought into your life uh, a challenge, adversity, but God uses adversity to produce in your life staying power. James chapter one, verse two and three. He gives you the strength that you need to just stay in the game. All right. He says, endure. Sometimes we want to escape. And God says, Bob, don't, don't try to escape out of this. You just stay in there and just, you keep enduring in there. You want to you check out. And he says, just God uses that to produce in our life. He, he strengthens our faith. I'm, I'm stronger as a person by God's grace going through adversity and challenges and trials. You, you grow through that. I don't, no one welcomes them and wants them to come in, but God uses them, right, church? You, you've been there, man. You know what that's like. God uses that to build and strengthen our faith. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer do I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you read this book called the Bible, it will reinforce and strengthen your faith. Number six, reading the Bible defines the gospel. Reading the Bible defines the gospel. Romans 1, 6 and 7, 16 and 17. Paul writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Here, I'm not ashamed, Paul says, of the gospel. Uh, there's been times in my life where I, I got to be, I, I was ashamed of the gospel. You know, I, I should have said something to somebody. I should have engaged in a conversation. You probably never experienced that. All right, well, I should have done something. He says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Why? It's the power of God. It makes our relationship with God possible to everyone who, who believes. The gospel. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that great resurrection chapter. He talks about that in that chapter. Of, of all importance and of all priority is the gospel. And he defines the gospel for us as the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel the gospel. We never graduate from the gospel. The, gra the gospel is not just the ABCs of Christianity. The gospel is the XYZ, the entire deal. We're always growing. I'm not saying we're not, not getting saved over and over again. That's a one-time deal, faith in Christ. But as a believer, we're growing in the gospel. Uh, Colossians talks a lot about the gospel in that first chapter of growing and living out the gospel. And may we as a church family Live out the gospel, amen, church? It's just not confined for a Sunday morning, but to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word gospel was a secular term. It didn't become, first of all, a spiritual term. The word gospel in the Greek was euangelion. In the Roman Empire, it meant the best news possible. So if the Romans conquered a certain region of the world, it was the euangelion. And they had evangels or evangels who would go, who would be, you know, put in different places and they would just pass it on. They didn't have phones or ways to communicate. They would say, hey, we won the, the region there or it's, it's the uh, emperor's birthday. And we'd go on and on for miles and miles and miles from an evangel just giving out, giving out, giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ. How about it today in this room here? Has there been that defining moment for you in your life where you recognized, 
I need Jesus. The Bible says we are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. That Jesus died on the cross to pay our sin debt. When I was 16 years old, sitting over here in a church in Idaho, Jerome, Idaho, I, I grew up in a Christian home. But as a 16-year-old, that day I heard and I really heard. You may be in the room today and today could be your day to hear and really hear. You've been playing church for a long time and now it's like, yes, today's that day where I need to put my faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made unto Jesus and with the heart, the steering wheel of your life, right? We become that Christ follower. We put our faith and trust in him. We had uh, Christmas Eve services on Friday and uh, Steve just did a great job communicating that, that significance of peace, uh, what that means to have peace and to know what that's like in your life. One of my favorite verses in uh, the Christmas story out of Matthew or Mark or Luke or John's gospel is that Luke chapter 2 verse 11 uh, where we just talked a little bit ago about the uh, the shepherds, and it says this, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Here, that third word, for unto you. Again, as Chad said, the shepherds, and the shepherds in those days were nobodies. They were the bottom of the line. Isn't that something? The first announcement was the shepherds. I would think maybe going to the emperor, hey, here it is. No, that's, that's, that's God, man. For unto you is born, unto you is born this day. God, the greatest giver, gave the greatest gift, Jesus. And you can put your faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ. Why read the Bible? Because it declares and it defines the gospel. That God so much wants a relationship with you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We say it a lot around Antioch, so here it is again, all right? We say, hey, take the word so out of there. For God loved the world. We say, hey, that works for us. But no, it didn't work for God. The word so, two-letter word, speaks of the volume and the magnitude of God's love for us. Think about it. For God Love the world, yeah, works. No, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die on a cross for our sins, be buried, rise again, that we can have a relationship with him. You're gonna spend some, somewhere in eternity until you have Jesus Christ in your life makes a difference. The gospel is defined in God's word. Let me just close with a couple of thoughts here uh, about how to read and, and how to maybe get some ideas of how to read your Bible. I, last uh, week, couple weeks ago, I just texted and emailed a number of people in our church family. Hey, how do you approach the Bible? And how do, you, how do you read it? What do you do? What's your plan and how that goes? Let me just kind of share a couple thoughts today and we're gonna, we're gonna close in prayer here soon. Uh, I'm not going to mention any name, but here's an individual who said, I, I read a small portion, sometimes only a paragraph or two, 
And as I read, I journal and ask, what is my Lord saying to me? Right? I thought, that's good. What is my Lord saying to me? I read a book in the Old Testament, and then sometimes I move to the New Testament. I love this thought. I always buy a study Bible with cross-references and notes to help me as I read. Like any other relationship, there are highs and lows, but it's one of the best things I ever made a part of my daily life. As I heard the rest of that story, sometimes it'll be seven years to read through the Bible. It's not so much the volume of how much we read, it's just read the Bible. We're privileged, church, to be able to read the Bible. It's my understanding, probably in the first century, maybe only 10% of the people could actually read. And so we have the living word, we can read it, and encourage it to, to, to take time and to read. I thought it was a good, a good reminder. Another in, individual said, uh, every day I read from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is not my daily reading plan. This is my personal relationship with my father. So I like that idea there too. It's not just, okay, I gotta do this, but this is like, it's, it's a relationship. It's not a routine for him, it's a relationship. My goal every year is to read completely through the whole Bible. I don't always make it. Proverbs is one of my favorite books. Another individual says, I followed the Bible recap reading plan and podcast. It's a plan led by Tara Lee Coble to read the Bible chronologically in a year. You read a passage of scripture on the Bible app and then you listen to it. When I read and listen, that helps me focus better. There's a daily podcast you listen to about six to nine minutes. Then you read and hear that again. And then she said, as this was just an amazing for me, and that my love for God has grown immensely. So there's some very practical ways to read the Bible. Uh, I, I, I'll shift in different ways. This last year I read the one-year Bible. My wife has read the one-year Bible a different time. We do different reading. Uh, I, I like reading the one-year Bible. Uh, I'll miss a day or two. I'll sometimes go back and try to make it up. But just, I just say, this is what I want. So, and the thing about reading the one-year Bible, uh, you read from the... Old Testament, the New Testament, the Psalms, and the Proverbs. It takes you about 15 minutes. One that's really helped me with reading my Bible is to have my phone out and have a, a Bible app. Because if I don't have somebody talking to me, I could open my Bible up and be, be reading, and then all of a sudden, I'm on my computer, I'm on my to-do list, I'm wanting to get a cup of coffee. I'm just, you probably don't even have that problem. I'm, this is a, the 10 o'clock hour, the, the best of our best here at Antioch. All right, you know what I'm talking about, man. I just, my, I just drift way off. But the last couple of years, maybe three or four years or more, I just I put my phone there, hit it. And so I, I hear it, I read it, I can understand it. And it, really, it makes a huge difference for me. I mean, that would be something for you. The point is this. It's not about the volume of how much you read. I haven't found a verse in the Bible that says you've got to read your Bible every year. I mean... In the first century, they didn't even have a Bible, right? The disciples never had a Bible, right? All right? And they did. I'm, so I'm not down. I'm just saying we've been given this gift of Scripture that, that God breathed out through human instruments to give us exactly what he wanted to say. So it's a great gift that we have to spend time in the Word of God. I share with it the first hour and I went ahead and asked permission to be able to show this. This is a, a person in our church, and this is their 
reading plan. So I've got it up on the screen here before. Uh, his, his reading plan is, first of all, you read it, take a passage of scripture and, and read through it. And then you write it. You take notes on what you read. And then you pray it. You pray God's word back to him to praise him and confess sin and give thanks. That's a good, I, I, it's great when you read the Bible. I do it just to, just to pray that verse right back to God again. Just, just give it, he wants to hear from us, give it back to him. So you pray and then you apply it. Focus throughout the day on what you read and how can I apply it to my life? Information is one thing and we have lots of information. But application, amen church, application is huge. Not just reading the Bible, but by God's grace, applying God's word into our life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of this day. I'm thankful for the privilege of being a part of this family here at Antioch. Thank you for the priority they put on corporate worship to come. We know you're not confined to this space, but God, together we can worship and we can learn together. I don't always get it right. I can always do better. I thank you for your grace. I pray over our church family today that as this new year comes, we don't have to even wait until the new year starts. We can start even today or tomorrow. God, spending time in your word. We're so blessed with different translations and, and Bible apps and all these things we can hear and read. God, use your word to change us. May we be doers of the word and not just hearers only. May we apply your word to our lives, Father. I thank you for the psalmist who reminds us forever, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. You are an awesome God who is worthy of worship. Thank you for the, the gift of the living word. Thank you, Father, for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Before I close out this prayer, as we're in this moment of prayer in this room and those watching online, perhaps they say, man, I'm going right now through a challenging season personally, financially, maybe a family dynamic or just just, it's just a situation that's just difficult and don't know exactly what to do. I'd love to be able to pray for you. I don't maybe, I might not even know your name, but just to pray over you today. You say, that's me, Bob. And you raise your hand and say, I'm just going through that season right now. All right, thank you. Over on my left in the back there. Thanks, over here. All right. We talked about the gospel a moment ago. Has there been that defining moment for you when you realize that, God, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. You make it possible, Father, to have a relationship with you. And today could be that day to say yes to Jesus. There's no magic thing you have to say. A, a prayer doesn't save you, but a prayer is where we communicate and connect with God. And we can just say, you can make, it's just your prayer. You can say something like this, God, I believe in you. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. To be buried and then three days later resurrected. I believe that. I confess I am a sinner. And I ask you, God, to save me. I'm asking you by faith to save me, to come into my life and to change me. And before I close out this prayer, you would raise your hand and say, say, Bob, I'm, I, I prayed that prayer. I prayed a prayer here to do that. Or, or I'm just interested about what it means to be 
a Christ follower. Anybody would say, that's me today. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for our time together in this room. Remind each person here they have eternal value. Use their life to make a difference in the lives of others. I pray for healing in our church family of those who have lost loved ones recently. I pray for Steve and his family. I pray for Clay and Susan. Her mom passed away just a few days ago. I pray for Larry battling cancer. I pray for Katrina Klein and Randy. They, both parents are in health facilities and it's just it's not good. So we just pray God today, your grace over them. And lots of others could just give prayers as well. God, you're gracious and do what only you can do, we pray in Jesus' name. And together, church, we said, amen. amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.